Hey everyone, this is the episode 43 of Take It Easy. 43. Hello, James. Hi, uh, I'm James. I'm the CEO and, and co founder at Ionetic. Um, we're developing better battery technology for low volume car companies and low volume automotive companies so that they can actually. Um, afford to electrify is one of the main issues right now is the solutions for battery packs are either not very good technologically or really really expensive which is causing a lot of the automotive companies to delay their electrification launch or, or in some cases not even start yet and with that 2030 uh, combustion ban uh, in the uk and the 2035 ban in the eu looming um, it's obviously really important that we really accelerate electrification, especially to, to get to net zero as soon as possible. So that's what we do. We, we create custom tailored battery packs that are more cost effective so that if you're a low volume car company, you can get your vehicle on the road sooner and make that vehicle better. Okay. Um, I have to ask, first of all, before we get to the actual, uh, you know, uh, discussion about the business and tech, any technical stuff uh, what got you into this uh, uh business and obviously you're you're pretty young so you know you must have been very very interested in this early on um i, I mean I've, i've certainly always been a big car car nerd you know I'm, i was the the kind of kid who um would try and like name every single car as it went past um <laughs> and yeah i've always always been a big car car guy I used to watch top gear religiously and discuss it uh in school the next day and then yeah went to uni university did mechanical engineering the sort of to that end and then ended up doing a lot of my undergraduate work on battery packs okay. um so my third year group project during my undergrad and my master's thesis were both on on battery packs on the design on the simulation and on the testing of, of, of those battery packs And then I got hired immediately out of university to become a battery pack researcher at Imperial College London, where I did my undergrad. Okay. Um, and in that role, I spent a lot of time telling car companies how to make their EVs better um, and looking at fleet data and looking at simulation and looking at charging and all sorts of different things. Uh, and then left that role at Imperial to, to start Bionetic and... Yeah, in speaking to all these different car companies, we realized they all really had this this same issue, and, and that's how that's how we ended up here. Okay, uh, I, I I'm always fascinated about the uh, business journeys. Like uh, as a semi semi, uh, I shouldn't say failed, but like you know, um, a tech trying to be tech entrepreneur. I'm you know I'm 45 almost now, and I've been doing this since I was like or, or tech stuff since I was like 19 or even earlier. And I've been involved in sorts of startups. I'm always, I'm always curious how people start and what what makes them, rather than have a cushy job, you know, somewhere, and uh, and just be your average, you know, employee, um, and kind of check out at five o'clock and not care. Uh, what yeah. makes you th what made you decide actually? Oh, I'll just have a business doing battery packs. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I still sometimes get asked that, you know, like, why why not just go work for a, another company and, you know, have a, a, a good salary and, and way less stress. But I think for me, it boils down to 
sort of impact, I guess. Okay. You know, I, I, I see this problem that exists. No one else really seems to be trying to solve it in any meaningful way. Um, so I sort of feel obligated, right? You know, like we've got this big climate emergency that's happening. And yeah, there are lots of problems I have absolutely no idea how to solve. But I, I know this piece, I know how to solve this, and I know it'll be beneficial for the environment. So that's why I'm doing it. Okay, so you basically saw firsthand that businesses are struggling to bring batteries to market because it costs loads of money, let's be honest. Um, and uh, never mind the production of the actual cells, but you know, putting it all together and making sure that it's robust and it's not going to fall down on the on the earth as you're driving over, you know, uh, sort of, uh, cobbly roads somewhere in, I yeah. don't know, I can't name a city, but whatever, <laughs> in Cambridge, say. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh okay um and obviously you you've had experience with EVs so you're 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 pretty you know you know a lot of things about EVs right uh, i presume <laughs> well, I, I, i'd like to think so yeah like <laughs> the question is i you know i had a brief look at your website as you as you do who are you offering it to is it big oems small oems you know your mum mums and pubs uh a guy that or a lady that does like a, a car um an EV conversion, um, or are you trying to to appeal to all of them? And how are you able to make the? What is you know? I don't want to know obviously any secret sauces because I'm sure you can't say us say say that to us. But the uh, how can you provide a low volume and low cost at the same time? Because obviously those are like uh, opposites uh, for most people. Yeah. So yeah, we're we're really targeting the lower volume market sort of the niche vehicle market looking at things like buses and commercial vehicles um, emergency services delivery vans but then also looking at luxury vehicles um you know i don't want to name specific brands but you know there's suvs there there's saloons or sports cars um so if you basically make less than sort of twenty thousand of a thing of a vehicle that's sort of really where we're targeting and the cost component comes in on two sides. It comes in on the cost of the development, so the cost of developing this, uh, the, the tailored battery pack, but then it comes in also on the unit cost. So on, on the development side, we're significantly cheaper because we have found a way to make developing battery packs way more cost-effective by using our battery pack platform and also by vertically integrating battery packs. So by doing the design, the test, and the manufacturing of battery packs. What that allows us to do is, is make that development cost up to 90% cheaper compared to other, sort of other potential options that you would go with. Then on the unit cost, that's where it's a slightly more complicated um, conversation. So yeah, it won't come as a surprise to anyone. We won't be as cheap as yeah, what VW Group are producing batteries yeah. for it is because it's it's, a, it's an economies of scale game. Um, but what we do find is that we can get low volume car companies into cheaper battery packs in the unit cost because because we're creating this this platform or we've created this platform. When we go into manufacturing of these products, we're using really high throughput manufacturing lines that are really flexible that are designed for the platform. So you can send down that our battery pack production lines when they come online, uh, the pack for a car, and then the pack for a bus, and then the pack for an SUV. 
So you can get really high asset utilization on this and you can actually make the unit cost um, to that low volume car company uh, cheaper than it would otherwise be. Okay. Um, so obviously the, there is a like a module component to it. You know, there's a, there is a point at which you're not flexible enough to... Um, to offer something that's super tailored for, I don't know, somebody wanted to convert, I'm going to get a ridiculous example, a tank into a, an EV. And, you know, it has like shapes at the bottom that are not exactly uh, flat. You wouldn't be able to s- serve that. But but a car or a van uh, is fine. So we, we, uh, we, we don't do sort of a modular design at Ionetic because... What modular means to us and what we see in the market is that basically means you've got like a big block of batteries and you just connect loads of these blocks together in in some way or another to build the full pack. And and we think that's a mistake because you're really sacrificing a lot about your design variability by making it modular. Um, you know, things like, you know, width, length, voltage, and energy are all interdependent variables. So if you increase voltage, you probably increase length, yeah. for example. So those things are all tied. So what we do is we take what we call a cellular approach. So our smallest building block for our platform is the cell. And then we make our modules as wide or as thin or as long or as short as makes the most sense for your application. So hypothetically, we could convert a tank. If if someone if someone came to us and said, um, you know, we want to build fifty tanks and we want to make them EV, um, uh, I'm sure the yeah the Ministry of Defense might have something to say about it. But uh, hypothetically, it, you know, it's technologically possible okay. to do with our tank. Yeah, I'm going to now think about how efficient would a tank be, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, be horrendously inefficient. No, I'm not recommending anyone no. does this, but it is. It was, possible. A, it was a silly example, but yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, speaking of the uh, the configuration, then if you if a cell is like a like the building block for you, because you know, I was wondering yeah. how you break things down. Some people might have modules that are a certain size or a couple of types of modules, and then you kind of fit it together like a Lego puzzle, uh, uh, depending on how you know how the, the pack needs to be configured for the customer, the voltage, like you said. Um, that actually yeah. uh, leads us to another example, but I don't want to ask you too many questions at the same time. But the um, but firstly, um, actually, let's let's go there with the, with the voltages. So obviously, um, you know, you mentioned that the pack would have to be longer for the higher voltages. And I think the, 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 the EVs so far, well, most of them anyway, have been 400 volts um, based. But obviously, there's a you know, there's a trade-off between the the uh, the size of the pack and the charging speed, and everyone wants their packs to charge or their cars to charge faster, um, which is understandable. And for that, obviously, we we need just higher voltages because that's like the easiest. The 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 V in the A times V is you know is easier to um, easier to deliver via the same cable. Um, what, how are you flexible on on the uh, the the um, configuration of the pack, like in terms of like how many cells are parallel, you know, how many per- uh, cells are in string, and all that sort of jazz. There's a term for it, technical term. I can't remember what it is, but yeah. the um, parallel yeah. configuration. Are you are you fully flexible yeah, on yeah. that, or is that uh, all locked in? Yeah, yeah, you can use that whatever you want, okay. basically. Um, so we we use our software tool internally, 
Um, so you come to me with your requirements for energy and mass and voltage and our software will say this is the best configuration for you this is how many modules you should have it's how many series how many parallel that exactly works for your solution um and and there are trade-offs to be made between you know sort of a 400 volt or a 7 or 8 or 900 volt architecture um mainly to do with high voltage isolation right To, to make sure you're you're protecting it from short circuit um but in general, we we tend to say that higher voltage is better because it means the vehicle's more efficient. Uh, it means you can charge faster in theory because um, you've got that V equals IR yeah. drop, right? So if you if you can if you can increase the voltage, you can drop the current, and then you can uh, you can have less power loss. So you you're overall more efficient. More of the energy out of the battery is going towards turning the wheels. And equally in the converse, when you plug in the charger, more of the charging is going into the batteries and not into cooling the batteries. So in general, we say higher voltage is better. Okay. Yeah, I I would have to agree with that. It's I think I think there's a like I say there's a trade off, but also um, it costs more money to um, to have all the safety equipment in place. The higher voltages you go, and I I had somebody from a charging manufacturer, a charger manufacturer. Um, on the podcast uh, about two years ago, and he mentioned to me that the um, I think that the limit that he s- sees in the in the industry is about one kilovolt because everything gets uh, way more expensive above that. Would you agree that with that, or do you ever see us exceeding that? Um, I mean, I think a lot of current off-the-shelf electronics parts are are designed for for a thousand volts for for a kilovolt. Um. I think you could possibly see going up to to one and a half thousand. There are certainly components that exist that are maybe one thousand two hundred. There are definitely regulations that that top out at at one thousand uh, one thousand five hundred. Um, but I think in the most part, I think it's unlikely we're going to see that uh, certainly anytime soon. I think I think we'll be looking at mostly eight hundred and nine hundred volt architectures coming out from okay. now on. Yeah, I. I... I, I hope so, because because the uh, the benefit of being able to charge very quickly is is you know very appealing. And every, I think it's one of those things that people of all the criticisms that I hear about EVs, and I hear loads. And I've I've been driving EVs you know for like seven eight years now, so um, I've I've heard it all <laughs> uh, multiple times. And I think the charging, the charging problem is is increasingly, in my opinion, uh, becoming a problem for the off-vehicle stuff than it is for the on-vehicle okay. stuff. So we're already seeing now problems where um, it's not the battery chemistry that's limiting the charge time, it's the fact that we only have 350 kilowatt charges. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's the stuff that's now starting to limit the charging speed. Um, like chemistry, battery technology, cooling systems are all all moving forward to to enable you know 15 minute 10 to 80 charge times but i think i'd also say on charging it's very very rare you're going to need to do a charge like that most of your charging is going to be done at home at three seven kilowatts um like people people get really hung up on how quick can i charge it um, from 
10 to 80%, but it's fundamentally not that important in how you're actually going to behave with an EV. Yeah, it's like if you could fill up your car, your combustion car at home, you'd never worry about how long it took to fill it up at a petrol yeah, station. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because the number of conversations I had with people over the years about this, and, you know, I, I drove EVs when people wished me to good luck when they told them that it's uh, it just has a, a battery because they just couldn't believe that I'm mad enough to drive one. <laughs> uh, but the uh, uh, it's even if you explain that to people, they don't get it until they actually try it themselves, and it's it's that magical barrier. Um, but you know, I hope that young young people are a bit more um, uh, exposed to that idea and kind of uh, and get, they'll get there from the start. Um, so going back to the, this this cells um, and chemistry, who who. Who are you getting the cells from, or do you have your own providers, or uh, do you work with whoever your customer is uh, on that? Um, yeah, I mean, we, we can't we can't share exactly who the cell suppliers are, but um, presu- we we buy, we buy cells in in a twenty one seventy okay. format uh, from well, there's there's lots of companies yeah. that make them uh, in Europe and, and in Asia yeah. as well. Um, obviously, the closer the cell factory is to the pack factory yeah, the better um and we're always working on that we're always working on looking at new technologies the benefit of using the 2170 platform as well as when new chemistries and new technologies are available really easy for us to swap them in as long as they're in that 2170 format okay um so yeah the, the it, there are a lot of companies that do it and we're working with a few okay of them. okay uh but presumably once you're providing a, a pack to somebody you do expose that information to them because you know um or, or oh yeah i mean there's no there's no reason to incent yeah sort of hide anything from from customers customers know who oh yeah yeah, yeah well um yeah I'm, I'm sure we can people who i do have some listeners who work for big oems they they know <laughs> they'll tell me <laughs> i'll get emails <laughs> uh but but uh just to reiterate you're, you're not looking to you know get a phone call from i don't know vw uh, ceo tomorrow or a uh, stellantis um you're kind of you're more you know more towards like i don't know what would be a, a british brand that uh is actually still in britain uh, manufactured in britain i don't know land rover is obviously too big as well but like um you know something even smaller that just produces a a, a bunch of uh, vans for instance or or um well i mean there's obviously companies like aston martin true, Bentley, rolls royce uh, alexander dennis who make the most double decker buses yep. on the planet uh, LEVC, who make the London Taxi. There's obviously Lotus as well. Uh, JLR still make a lot of vehicles in the UK, um, as do Stellantis and Ford and uh, Mini is obviously still made in the UK as well. So still, there's still a lot of vehicles made here. Um, although I would like to see that number increase. It, 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 it's trending downwards at the moment. I'd like to see it start trending yeah, upwards. Yeah, same. Again. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I mean, if, if one of the sort of big groups were to call us tomorrow and say, you know, we want to, we want to trial your technology you know i'm open to open to looking at that i think there are certainly benefits to it i think with evs because the battery pack is sort of such a large component i think having flexibility over it across different models and different vehicle ranges would really be a big value add instead of having this common platform where it's just the every vehicle is essentially the same it's like you know why would you buy um, an Audi Q4 over a VW ID3. Yeah. 
or, or vice versa. Why would you buy an ID3 over a Q4? Because they're they're identical underneath, literally identical. It's not like you know in the previous platforms where an A3 was basically a Golf. Now these two cars are the okay. same. Um, so I, I think there there is value add in our technology to the the larger brands that we could differentiate those products using our technology for an amount of money that would still make sense yeah. to them. I think one of the problems they face is they they do this platform thing because they invest you know billions of euros into a platform and then have to commit to it across every product it can possibly fit in to make the economics of it work. Whereas for us, yeah, we can customize your battery pack for. A lot less orders of magnitude okay. less, you know. Um, I, a, hmm, how do I put this? Um, so you know, when when a, when an OEM works on a uh, on a big OEM like you mentioned, VW and Audi and uh, a group, um, when they when they work on a on a platform, they obviously it's not just a battery pack. It's you know, it's the whole lot. It's the charging yeah, yeah. infrastructure. It's the safety infrastructure. And how it talks to the rest of the car, the the, and it's obviously the powertrain as well. Um, yeah. How are you with like uh, um, with marrying your your battery pack technology with different uh, 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 power delivery systems? I should just call it like that. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, well, we, our technology is completely agnostic to the motor and the rest. Okay, of the so motor. you if you uh, you can work with any OEM on any architecture and run that vehicle integration engineering piece with them to make sure everything works okay okay and then and presumably like long long because i i don't know about you know car oem uh sort of uh world but i know in the in the other tech worlds when you work with a supplier you kind of um you always look at the contingencies and kind of safety of the whole thing so in case the your supplier goes belly up or so, or they change the you know tactic or whatever you want to have the security of being able to support the, uh, the the platform long term and i'm sure you've been asked all these tricky business questions uh, in the past but uh, do you have anything do you want to say to that like uh, that will... um i think on supply chain security i think well, I think firstly, it's a symbiotic relationship, right? It's like, you know, you've given this example here where the OEM is worried about one yeah. of their suppliers disappearing. But equally, the supplier can worry about the OEM disappearing. And there sort of has to be that mutual trust there. Um, yeah, there's going to be contracts in place to make sure, you know, both of you are sticking yeah. around indefinitely and de-risking that, that, that piece of delivery. Um, but we really work with our customers and, and we see that we're the more secure option okay. in general. Um, you know, we make our packs in the UK. Um, so the, there's no oceans between the car factories and the pack factory, or there won't be when the, when the, when the main factory opens. Um, so there's sort of benefits there and the, there's a lot of other security benefits. You know, we see our customers more as partners than, customers like you know we're working with them on really long term projects right you know if we if we start working with a, a customer today let's say it takes one two three years to get the vehicle into production depending on a variety of factors and then let's say the vehicle's in production for or that model is in production for five years that's an eight-year relationship that's a, it's a really yeah. long time so you, you you've got to be really happy with what you're both doing. Um, 
if you do a facelift version of the vehicle, right? If you do an upgrade, then it's ten years. Yeah, yeah. And I, um, I, so it's, it's uh, I think one of the reasons why OEMs have kind of some of them resisted and others struggled to grasp the um, uh, the the EVs or the future of EVs um, or their future, uh, you know, as a manufacturer of EVs is the, um, the fact that the EVs last longer as well in general as a you know kind of um, in opposition to what everybody's been. Uh, uh, saying that you have to, uh, you're going to have to throw out your battery after three years. You know, um, we've seen cars that have, you know, been ten plus years on the road, and I've, I'm on my second EV at the moment, and um, and you know, it's, I've had it for three years now, and it just still feels like a brand new car, like the way it drives. Whereas in the past, when I had ICE cars, after three years, you you notice that things were going wrong, and you know, you had to change, I don't know, spark plugs or whatever. But the um, but the car just didn't feel like yeah. like like it used to. Um, so, uh, like I say, you 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 have to have that uh, relationship. Um, so, going back to the uh, the the sort of the tricky, potentially tricky o- OEM questions that I may or may not have actually gotten from somebody who works for a big OEM. Um, I'm not going to say who, but the um, uh, he knows who he is. Uh, do you offer on? I ha- I haven't seen any on, on your website, but uh, I presume you offer some sort of a uh, you know structural analysis of the pack. So you know, um, quite often like, you see these videos. Just for the listeners, you see these videos on online where people crash test vehicles. But a lot of that is actually done in on the computer these days. Like nobody crashes hundreds of cars just to prove a point. You you simulate all that. So um, and nowadays, obviously, battery pack becomes a part of that. So um, do you have any? Any data so far of your uh, battery packs on uh, you know any technology demonstrators, uh, which would be my actually my next question. But I'm you know sorry this is this is a very long question, a very packed question. But you know feel free to answer as as long as you you want to. Um, yeah. So the the sort of structural component is very much part of what we see as the vehicle integration piece. So. You know, we take our platform and we customize it for what you need. And then we take that, the output of that, and we say, right, how do we now integrate that into your vehicle? So that'll be a case of, you know, uh, where are the bolts to connect it all together? Um, are you intending the pack to be a structural component of the vehicle? Because it's not always the case. Um, if you are one of the different... Yeah, sort of load cases you're expecting, one of the different vibrational cases. Um, so th- there's lots to do in that vehicle integration piece, and obviously making sure the pack is structurally safe, and obviously there's regulations we have to pass for that as well. Like there's there's crash tests in, in Regulation 100, yeah. which is the sort of standard battery safety regulation. Um, yeah, you, you've got to get through all these things to make sure the pack meets every tick box it needs to meet both from a government and regulatory perspective, from our own quality standards from, and from what the, the OEM wants to achieve. Okay. But but presumably, I mean, uh, OEM will have that, you know, big OEM will have that infrastructure in place. But if you're talking to somebody who's just a smaller size uh, uh, manufacturer, and, and there are some manufacturers that um, sell sell their cars or the, the vehicles sort of under... The, the threshold of, of it being a, a, a car. So, you know, it just works out cheaper that way. And I, I don't know how that impacts the uh, the crash tests and all that. And, you know, and then you have somebody who makes, I don't know, 50 bin lorries. 
I'm sure they're not. I don't. I, I'm not. I don't know for certain, but I'm sure they're not going to crash test five of them just to prove that uh, that they're safe. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you you still have to get through a certain level of um, safety regulation on that, irrespective of how many vehicles you make. But from a battery pack perspective, we'd never ship a we'd never ship a pack we didn't think was safe, of irrespective of whether whether someone wanted to fully homologate the vehicle or whether they wanted to put it through. Uh, individual vehicle assessment, which is basically what what you were sort of saying there, where you where you build sort of really low volume and you get the vehicle certification agency of whatever country you live in um, to come and say, yeah, that one is safe. And every time you build a car, you do that. Even if we, even if the customer was doing that, we wouldn't do that on the pack side. And also because of this shared platform, we know that there is inherent safety built into how we're designing every single battery pack because we've tested the platform. Okay. okay. Um, to, to that end, do you have any technology demonstrators that you can show or that you, you know, or other in development? Because um, obviously, like, going to your website, you know, one of the first things that I wanted to see is, like, do you have anything to that I can see that drives, <laughs> basically? Yeah, so sadly, we can't, we can't talk about customers. Um, because NDAs are sadly a, um, but yeah, we have we have yeah real battery packs modules. You can come you can come to our lab in London and and pick them up, um, and see them, feel them. They uh, they really exist. We just can't uh, share them online, unfortunately. Okay, uh, I'm I'm not going to invite the whole listenership, but I, I might take you up on that offer. <laughs> um, uh, like. Uh, uh, so you you you've only started you know you're pretty young you've only started last year right um uh yeah january 2022 now here's a tricky question how what is your runway currently like because obviously i'm sure you're looking for people to invest money um and you know um what what is what was the, the the business end of things looking that way um yeah, I mean, it, it, well, I've, I suppose if there's anyone listening who really loves this idea and wants to invest, then obviously feel free to feel free to let me know. But um, like runway wise, it's it's not an issue. Um, yeah, there's lots of lots of different opportunities, lots of different customers, lots of different grants available commercially. I think it. I think there's a lot of opportunities in the UK. In okay, space. that's good to hear because you know. Uh, we've been we've been kind of dominated especially when it comes to evs with chinese manufacturers and i don't have anything against you know the them in general but i i just don't like the fact that we're kind of we might be reliant on one country providing all the technologies in the future it's not the not the future that you know was good for anybody well i think technologically the uk is a leader okay uh, in manufacturing, it's certainly decreased over the last fifty years, unfortunately, and yeah, we're we're part of the effort to try and get that on the upwards trajectory again. You know, to bring manufacturing back to the UK. Um, but technologically, the UK is certainly a leader um, on all fronts. You know, like Arm is Arm is a British company, yeah. and they're one of the leaders in chip design. Um, there's obviously lots of great battery companies um, with lots of interesting technology. So I think on the tech side. The UK is, is is certainly up there with with any other country. Okay, yeah, um, that's good to hear. 
I mean, I keep on hearing about all these startups doing battery technologies. I haven't visited a single one yet because most of most of them I've I've heard about over the lockdown periods, and obviously wasn't the the best time to travel around. And uh, people were working from home a lot, so <laughs> you know I wouldn't be able to visit anybody. Um, the uh, um, you mentioned that manufacturing, you know, you you're gonna uh, do the manufacturing in Britain, but obviously some sometimes you have to serve markets like US or um, some Asian markets where they actually have a requirement to have the, the manufacturing in a different country. Do you, do you ever yeah. see customers from other other kind of countries, or are you just focusing currently on British and European? Uh, I mean, I'd say we're certainly focused on European, but that doesn't stop us from yeah ending up having conversations with. Asian and America, uh, American customers. Um, I think we would expect, it, you know, you, you need quite a significant, you need to be a larger low volume customer to justify sort of having your own factory yeah. um, to, or to open a factory in a certain geography just because you were our customer. Uh, it's certainly something we're open to if it, if it comes up. Um, but in general, we, we plan to ship globally from, from factories in the UK um, with, with obviously exceptions where it makes sense. You know, if, if it makes sense to open a factory in the US, then we'll do that. And the same for India or, or Asia generally. But you, but you don't have any plans at the moment, obviously, uh, is what you're saying. Not right now. Right? I mean, we're, we're, <laughs> we're a year days, old. Yeah. We need to make sure we walk before we run. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm just, you know, just trying to see what what sort of plans do you have? Because you know, some companies do have the investment investment in place that actually kind of hinges on them having the ability to actually scale in the future. Some don't. I I I personally think it's better to to do slow ramp up. And from all the businesses that I've ever been involved in, involved in, the ones that failed are the ones that had loads of money coming from everywhere, and they just had to spend, spend, spend. Um, yeah, I think you need to grow sustainably. Even if even if I personally had a pot of a billion pounds to attack this problem, that wouldn't mean that I'd go and open a factory in every continent on earth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I'm not yeah, I don't have a billion pounds to invest, but you know, if I had I would I would agree with that. <laughs> um so you you mentioned the uh, the structural uh that obviously the battery pack is a, is a structural part of the of the car. Um what what do you think about the uh, the manufacturers like Tesla and I'm sure others are going to try this uh, as well is to to kind of build in the uh, the the battery packs into the chassis of the car so it's not removable essentially or very hard to remove. Um, obviously, I think it's one of those. I think it's one of those things that probably makes sense economically, but probably doesn't make sense environmentally. Um. I think you know we're obviously seeing now that the the, the new Tesla pack, the forty six eighty, is just essentially one big tub of adhesive that's then glued in as a critical component of the vehicle, which essentially means if you have a fault in the battery pack, you just there's no point even trying to fix it. You may as well just get a new car. Uh, and I think that's where those kind of approaches are going. Is yeah, when you have a, a fault like that, they're just going to give you a new car. Um, for us, we, we don't take that approach. I mean, we try and make our modules really, really big. So that sort of approaches that sell to pack approach where the whole goal is to reduce the amount of structural weight to increase the overall energy density 
we're certainly taking that approach by maximizing the size of our modules, but we don't go the step further and just fill the pack full of adhesive because yeah, we, we do want to be able to service it. Um, we do want to be able to minimize waste on the first life uh, if possible. Yeah. Um, so maybe economically it makes sense, but it's not something in a, in a hyper high volume environment. Um, but in low volume, we don't, we don't think it makes tons of sense. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously, you, um, uh, you you're providing battery packs to to uh, to manufacturers. So uh, you know, I just wanted to to hear what the, what your opinion on that, on that is. And I have to agree that the um, you know, um, seeing how people used to um, salvage the um, Model S, it used to be in in a day uh, modules from from those cars and and kind of reuse them for all sorts of things. I think that was very beneficial and kind of provided a second life to battery packs. And I've seen in person the, the Model 3 battery pack or the, the, the bit of it. And like I say, it's just a gloop of glue. It's not, yeah. Um, I'm sure it can be uh, recycled somehow and recovered somehow, but it's not. Uh, I, I personally do not support that approach. I think to me, that's just a bit of a wasteful um, cut, uh, cost cutting, but you know, um, I'm just worried with all these Model Threes on the road. What's going to happen to them? Uh, you know. I mean, I think I think they 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 will all be recycled. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, it's legally obligated now, uh, at least in the EU. Okay. Okay. You ha- you have to recycle the battery pack. Okay. So it will be. It's just not one of those. Yeah. It, it'll just be one of those things that happens at the end of the vehicle life, as opposed to a serviceability thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you ever see providing battery packs? for other solutions like um i mean completely you know different cell chemistry but like uh and uh, an, an opposite example of of car would be a, a home storage or um or a, or a grid grid you know storage or grid level storage do you ever see yourself doing that or you're kind of just uh focusing on oems yeah no we we certainly see um opportunities and other sort of verticals right looking into grid storage or looking into other other transportation um i think our our core focus for for right now is automotive um but we will definitely be looking at well we'll certainly be looking at grid storage in the future okay uh yeah that's good because i i think that's where um that's that's the sort of other avenue that is under underserved that's the word I was looking for, um, and I think I think there's a big there's a big um, big market out there. Um, so, just to, uh, going back to 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 you and your company, obviously, the, you you mentioned something called Arc on your website. Can you like run us through? You know, obviously, most people who are going to listen to this are not they're just interested in this, and they might hear about it, and you know, and might be like uh, might be excited about the the, the future. Uh, you know, that you guys are kind of uh, helping. Uh, develop um but run us through the the, the sort of the what what, what does the uh, the battery pack development look like and how you know how do you help like obviously it's, it's more than more than just taking the cells gluing them together and like you know um in some of them parallel some of them in a string yeah. and chopping chopping on a bms and then cooling system around it and putting in a, in a cage um can you just run us through that process yeah, so Arc is our battery platform. So Arc has software and hardware components. So in, in software, we've created software tools that allow us to automatically design battery packs, sort of, as I alluded to earlier. Um, in the hardware side, what we've done is we've we've set 
a load of constraints on the platform. So we've said, you know, we're going to use this material, we're going to use this adhesive, we're going to use this manufacturing process and this geometry, and you know, build that across the whole platform. And what that allows us to do is it allows us to get through the design phase really quickly. So instead of spending a year going, you know, which material are we going to use or which manufacturing process are we going to use, working out how many series and parallel we should use, uh, we can do all that pretty much instantly. Okay. So we can now get through design phase really fast. And then we can go into, then we do the, the vehicle integration piece in the design, so making sure that the pack works with the vehicle really, really well. Then we can go into design, into the testing phase. So we're now certifying that this new battery pack uh, is is safe and meets all of the standards for 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 homologation, um, and we can get through that way quicker because we're using our platform. So a lot of the platform has gone through a lot of the tests already. So instead of having to do fifty tests, we have to do ten. Okay. So we can reduce the amount of testing you need to do, and then you take that into manufacturing, where you have this really flexible manufacturing line for the platform and not for a product. So you can, as I said, send down yeah the pack for a car and then the pack for a bus and then the pack for an SUV down the same manufacturing line sequentially to make that process really a lot more efficient. Um, but there are obviously sort of a whole host of steps that sit underneath that, right? Like, yeah, we, we will have originally had to choose what welding technique to use and what materials and what processes and what adhesives. And then you've got to go through your design validation plan, you know, DFMEA and PFMEA and yeah, there's, uh, you know, you've got to do cell selection at the start, right? I mean, yeah. we still have to do cell selection to, to an extent and justify which cell we're using and why. Looking at degradation, looking at beginning of life performance. Um, so there's lots of different things that sit underneath this, you know, wiring, harness, control system, electrical design, um, connecting all the modules together in whatever configuration makes the most sense for the vehicle. So there's still a lot of design that has to go through, um, even once you've you've built this platform. But this platform really is a, a big head start versus everybody else. You're saving a lot of time and money by having the platform. Okay, okay, but the the, the cost saving is that basically you've integrated it all, and you're able to manufacture yeah. it quite flexibly. So if somebody has to change, I don't know, the type of adhesive that they want to use for whatever reason, you you have a bunch of them tested presumably or. Um, you know. Yeah, we just know which one's the best. We've just chosen one. Okay, okay, fair enough. So you just you don't even have to worry about it. We just sort it for you. Well, same with like welding, presumably. I mean, I it's yeah. it's funny once you get to when when you design anything, once you get to actually doing it, there's all these details that you never thought about that uh, you know uh, you come across and like I would never think about what welding do you have to use for a battery pack, but um, yeah, uh, lots of different. What about the, uh, the 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 things like the BMS? Because I I have a feeling that some some OEMs choose or design their cars very um, conservatively, and they want them to last longer. Whereas others want them to charge very quickly, but they know that the battery pack's gonna you know um, the, the 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 state of health is gonna drop down to let's say seventy five percent or eighty percent after a couple of years, and it's kind of built into the process. Um, uh, do you have do you have that kind of built into the to your processes as well? Yeah, yeah. So so every every pack ships with a BMS, um, with a custom application layer. So custom control system for exactly what that pack needs to achieve. And you're right. Some com- some car companies want really conservative. Um, you know, say you've got say they're only using ninety percent of the available energy. 
Some want to push the limit, some want the fastest charging, the most use of the available energy and all those different things. So we can we can cater to all of that depending on what you need to achieve. Okay. Okay. That's good. It's good to hear. I, yeah, I presume, you know, there's more than one BMS to choose from because uh that's where all the uh complexity of the battery pack design kind of, you know, meets and has to be controlled, right? Uh, yeah, I think the the software is what's most important on the BMS. It can it can make tens of percent of difference to performance. Okay. So, um what, what, what are the sort of the, the the most tricky questions you've you've heard from people being asked about battery packs that I I didn't I presume I asked one or two but the uh... <laughs> yeah um, I think I get I think the the ones that not necessarily the most tricky but the ones that I get asked most regularly are, are things that I put in the category of like EV myths okay. Yeah, things like they're worse for the environment. <laughs> uh, things like yeah, there's 15 different charger types, um, and yeah, I get asked that by my family, I get asked that by friends, I get asked that by people I meet, um, and so th- those are always the ones that they're not challenging, but it's just like you got to go through them a lot. You got to explain that. No, in fact, EVs are better for the environment, and pretty much everybody agrees it. Um, and they're more fun to drive as well. Like, come on. Yeah, and you get instant talk demand exactly. at all points of the RPM. So why would you not want that? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. <laughs> I, I, I said that story many times over, but um, I, I used to have a, a Insignia. It was a diesel engine. And I could, um, I could on the motorway, I could reduce, you know, at 70-something miles an hour, I could reduce from the sixth to the fifth gear and spin the tires and get smoke out of the back and then i drove into nissan dealership one day and i test drove a nissan leaf 30 kilowatt hour which you, you would think it's a it's not the fastest car but uh, i took it off the eco mode and i was blown away by the speed and the silence of it and i just basically traded in my insignia and got myself a nissan leaf which was my first ev back in nice. back in 2016 and uh you know um people were like why would you do that that's crazy but it was just one of those things like like you mentioned the uh the charging at home it's something you can't just explain to people they have to kind of get over that hump in their head and uh, and um uh and try it themselves you're very efficient at uh, at answering questions which i i, I like uh, yeah <laughs> um i mean it's a it's a sign of a good good communicator and good ceo like you know somebody who can uh, get to the point <laughs> but uh, what what do you drive yourself? Uh, what is your what is your current choice? Uh, presumably, you have an EV. Don't tell me you don't have an EV. Well, so, so I li- I live in London at the moment, which means in basically, I there's no point in me having a car. Um, okay. So I I actually well I won't I won't name the service, or, but uh, I uh, I use car sharing a lot. So um, yeah, I'd like there's cars parked everywhere in London, and you can just pick them up and drive them to another place in London. Um, and obviously, the public transport network here is, is really good. Um, but yeah, I might, when I'm probably going to be buying a car quite soon. Um, and yeah, obviously it will be EV. <laughs> um, but other than that, when, when I'm at my family home, we have a golf, which is, which is quite standard. <laughs> that's a, that's uh, a very reliable, you know, car. So yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, it, I, I feel like it's the most average car, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's like, it just is what I think a car sort of should be there's yeah. no like 
crazy extremes um it's, it's one of those cards that's kind of good enough basically it's just like yeah. provides yeah. you know and oddly enough actually leaf has about had about the same amount of space and you know it was supposed to be that that kind of car uh, yeah so um would you ever yeah i'll be getting, yeah. getting an ev soon probably do you know what kind of ev you're gonna get or uh uh i'm looking at a few different ones i think obviously you know tesla model 3 is an obvious option I quite like quite like the pole stars um they look quite good um i think i think kia slash hyundai that that group that they're, they're they're doing some really good stuff in the ev transition um the ionic 5 and the ev6 have some cool tech in them um so i think yeah i, I think i'm gonna have to go test drive them all basically <laughs> is what's gonna happen. I, I can I can recommend GridServe if you have uh, if you want to have a uh, you know uh, do a road trip somewhere. There used to be a place in Milton Keynes called EV Experience Center where you could just test drive, but they they ceased to exist. Um, they were um, they, they were very good. <laughs> but the uh, yeah, GridServe is one of those places where you can just show up and they'll if they have EVs they'll they'll let you test drive them. Um, cool. Would you be would you be ever um, you know? Obviously, with like uh, technology demonstrations and all that, but would you ever be tempted to have your own car that uh, you know you you have your own battery pack on, or um, would that would you would that be too extreme? Oh no, I mean I'm definitely looking forward to driving a car without battery pack in it. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, um, but since you mentioned that most like giant OEMs are probably not going to be. Uh, uh, sourcing the battery packs from you obviously you would have to look at something niche uh, but you know yeah um, but there are a lot of fun niche vehicles right yes exactly james bond drives a niche vehicle <laughs> true 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 uh, it's it's those sort of cars that i never think about like like mclaren or uh yeah or you know like all, all these sort of british brands that are, are, are niche you're right i mean i i hear about them all the time so to me they don't sound niche if that makes sense yeah. but yeah uh, but i suppose i suppose if you if you look at the uh, the the uh, v- volumes that they sell um it's not too bad um anything else that i should have mentioned or um um no, I don't think so. if if anybody has any questions you know uh obviously they should visit your website um yeah yeah follow follow yeah the company add me on linkedin all those usual things followers and i guess if anyone's listening who needs battery packs do let me know <laughs> I, yeah i'm i'm, I'm sure there's going to be one or two people I, ho- I hope there's going to be one or two people like i said i do have some listeners who convert evs or just work for companies that are you know um at least they 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 follow me on twitter and ask and i've interacted with them in the past at meetups so you know they're out oh. there <laughs> they're out there anyway um okay. thank you for your time james and uh and uh, it was fun talking to you yeah, great speaking to you too. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you've enjoyed this content. As always, you can reach me out on emails, takeitev at gmail.com, uh, at takeitev at social. and if you're still using Twitter, it's at takeitev, obviously. Um, if you're interested in this subject, or, you know, or you actually interested in the uh, services that uh, James uh, offers to let him know that you came from here and I'll see you out there on the next one thanks very much bye